The The You're Not, episode 47. The one where we're covered in dust. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. <laughs> it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's Word. Hello, all you honey bears out there. <laughs> oh, Theo, honey bears. Theo, honey bears. You forgot Theo, man. That's well, the I was so important. concentrated on the fact that I asphyxiated myself. Oh, yeah, I just saw that. <laughs> it's like, Ugh. I'm playing with my phone <coughs> over here, and David's... I'm breathing water out of a bottle. Coughing up water. That's mm. great. So I am David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And we are the, the Theo Knots. Yes, we are. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing. How was your weekend? Oh, it was blessed. Yeah, mine too. Mine yes, too. yes. Mine so too. we had a really uh, fun little retreat. Yeah, we did. We uh, we took uh, a whole bunch <laughs> of crazy wide-eyed teenagers to yep. uh, Beaver's Bend and uh, fed them... Uh, uh, bitter herbs mixed with uh, nuts. <laughs> yeah, give them some horseradish. And, <laughs> yeah, some horseradish. Yeah. You must eat it all. That's right. <laughs> 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 well, who was it that said to me, now I know what my sins taste like because, you know, wow. I, I had the uh, the celery or whatever uh-huh. was dipped in the salt water. Parsley. Parsley. Parsley dipped in salt water. Yeah. So anyways, what we're talking about is we fed them the... Uh, um, a full Passover meal. A full Passover meal. We did the Passover seder with them, mm-hmm. and we uh, we talked about Jesus, and uh, and none of them fell asleep. That's right. Which is that's surprising. That's good. That's good. Because uh, how long did it go? I don't know. It was long. It was like an hour and a half. No, it was longer than that. I you think. think? I, I think it had to be at least two hours long. Really? Yeah. Well, we did eat in the middle of it. Well, yeah. So I mean that that has to take some time, <clears throat> and you. Well, but I didn't keep have, the like speech 50? on till midnight. No one fell out of a window. That's true. That's true. Or anything like that. Yeah. So <laughs> it was it was fun. They loved it, man. Uh, the best thing I tell you what, uh, David also spoke and uh, shared a, a lesson on unity, basically, mm-hmm. um, which just like rocked my world and rocked a lot of kids' worlds, and so it was really good. Got yeah, then we pulled out the duct tape and taped them all together so That's that they right. would understand what unity was about. That's right. Like, <laughs> you stay there until you learn what unity means. Don't move. Well, you can't. So, <clears throat> but that was that. Yeah, we did the duct tape, right? Things were uh, Olympics. Duct tape Olympics, which was it's it's a team building. Yeah. Thing. I, actually, it's not even. You know, it's funny whenever you do this <clears throat> this type of stuff because. Normally, you have these youth, typical youth games or whatever. Yeah. Well, this is from a cor- the corporate world, the Duct Tape Olympics. Yeah. Yeah, because it's all about teams and sure, blotty, blotty. But it actually works really well with what we were talking about. Yeah, it transitions into spiritual aspects as well. Yeah. It was it was really good. The unity, you know, especially like trying to share the message. Mm-hmm. That one was really neat. So. Anyway, so we had an awesome weekend, and then uh, of course Easter Sunday was uh, awesome as well. How about how was your? It was good. Easter, awesome. Yeah. We we had a very small crowd. Yeah, yeah. We we had a lot of people traveling and that oh. sort of thing, so it was very quaint. 
nice and cool uh but yeah it was, the communion was was uh uh i don't know extra awesome that's so. good <laughs> you know uh I, I saw some people that I haven't seen in quite a long time. It's pretty neat. <laughs> hey, how you doing? See you I'm, next week. I'm Easter. losing people, and, and, you're, <laughs> and you're getting people. Yeah, we have like almost 200. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I haven't seen you for like two years. Yeah. Welcome back. Those are those happy Easter. See, I, I saw someone call them uh, on Facebook the uh, the C E and M Christians. <laughs> Christmas, Easter, and... I think that's Mother's Day. Mother's Day. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, that's true. A lot of them do. Oh, it's Mother's Day. She wants me to go to church again. <laughs> <sighs> Better change this one. It smells like beer. All right. Oh, wow. Anyways, so, yeah, it was uh, it was nice to see them, and uh, the worship was good, and we uh, our pastor's gone for a couple weeks, so we had a good pastor filling in. Yeah. Um, Brother Bill, so it was nice. It was nice. Cool, cool. Quaint. So yeah. That's what's going on in my world. Hey, well, I got something cool for you here. Bring it on. Yes. Yay, more voicemail. We have some more voicemail. Let's hear it. All right, here we go. Hey, y'all. It's Meredith. Hey, Meredith. Well, I'm, con- I'm continuing my binge listening. Especially since my radio is not working in my car right now. So, anyway, I just want to tell y'all, I just love listening to y'all. I think y'all are doing a fantastic job. I've been listening to talk radio for almost 20 years now, and I'm pretty picky about what I listen to. And, um, anyway, I just think y'all are fantastic. So, y'all keep up the good work. And, um... This one I just finished listening to. Y'all talking about Jacob and Esau and how Esau gave up his birthright for the bowl of stew. And, um, you know, I've always thought, what an idiot. That guy was so stupid to do that. Like, why would you do that? Why would you sell your inheritance for a bowl of stew? But, you know, the thing is, we do that all the time. You know, we... God has so much great stuff in store for us, and we just would rather have what's in front of our face. And I know I'm bad about that, and I know we all are. And I just pray that God just helps me remember that Jesus Christ is the true, lasting reality. And he's the thing that's most worthy. And um, anyway... Thank you all so much for what you do. I love y'all, and um, hope to see y'all in a couple of days at Beaver's Bend. I'll talk to y'all soon. Bye. Awesome. Yeah, it was neat. Thanks, Mary. <clears throat> So that was there were some awesome compliments in there. Pretty uh, pretty high accolades. Yeah, we we, we, we stood the test up against uh, talk radio for 20, 20 years worth of talk radio. And she's not joking either. She's always listening to talk radio. <laughs> I know that because she's. That's always not always about good it. for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's it's awesome. So I you know that's a that's a high praise. Thank you very much. Yeah, praise the Lord. So, and uh, she's she hit the nail on the head about uh, Esau. Oh yeah, we 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 do as Christians. You think about it. We look at these Bible stories, and we we, we kind of don't give these guys a fair shake, <laughs> you know, because we kind of think, well, if that was me, yeah. I w- I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have had that problem. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> you would have done it twice as fast. I, I often do that with like David for one, you know, and that whole story of Bathsheba. Yeah. But dude, you know. I, you, situation. Yeah, the situation arises. You never know what you're going to do. <laughs> and uh, man, it's it's sad. So, And then you, you look on the other side and think, would I really have run away without my cloak, you know, with uh, with Joseph? So that's mm. uh, pretty interesting. But good point, Mayor. Awesome. Yeah. So, really cool. Yeah. All right. And now the news. I guess I'll do the first one, uh, the sad news first. Uh, Kenya, have you heard about this? Uh, Al Shabab, which is a, a terrorist organization with links to Al Qaeda, um, they targeted a, uh, a Kenyan college, a Christian Kenyan college. And killed, let's see, it ended up being 147 students. Wow. Garrison University College came to a bloody conclusion at 9.30 p.m. local time. Kenny officials said more than 16 hours after the gunman stormed the school, targeting Christians and taking hostages. The Al-Qaeda-link extremist group Al-Shabaab claimed uh, responsibility for the, the siege. Mask attackers shot indiscriminately and, and heavy gunfire and explosions were heard throughout the standoff. Authorities and eyewitnesses said the county's Ministry of the Interior said about 587 people were safely evacuated while another 79 were injured. All students were accounted for, officials tweeted. So that sounds like a, a terrible thing. It seems to just keep keep happening. Yep, and <clears throat> it's getting closer and closer and closer to home. It's mm-hmm. pretty scary. So um, our prayers go out to uh, to the Kenyan people and, and that, you know. It's it's shocking this uh, which is 147 you know targeted and dead it, it, Christian persecution is alive and well as we've said a million times oh yeah and uh, this is just another great example just because we have hidden behind this curtain that we're in Disney in Disneyland that's right <laughs> um, doesn't mean it's not out there and yeah but the awesome thing is is you know uh, if if they were Christians, uh, they awoke uh, mm. in in the arms of the Savior, and that's uh, that's an awesome thing. You can't ever take that away. No terrorist can ever nope. do that. So you so. can't. Uh, it's like in the words of a Project eighty six song, you can't kill the one that's inside of me. That's right. Cause Amen. That, that song is about being persecuted. It's, mm. I'm, I'm about uh, being threatened with his life being threatened because of his Christianity, and that's that was his response. Go ahead and kill me. You can't you can't kill that which is inside of me. <laughs> That's wow. awesome. Yeah. You know, uh, it, the Bible says it like this. You know, don't fear the one who who can kill the body, but fear the one who can kill the body and cast the soul in hell. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, anyways, all right. So another report. Um, Robert Schuler, front runner of the secret sensitive movement. Um, mastermind behind the, the Crystal secret, Cathedral. The secret what? The secret sensitive movement. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? No. You've never heard that terminology? No. I, I didn't know much about, about this guy until you were telling. <laughs> I mean, I know I, I'd seen the Crystal Cathedral before, but I... Okay. I, well, uh, a good example of secret sensitive movement uh, would be Joel Osteen. Okay. God okay. loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for Seeker. your life. Okay. I thought... <laughs> 
I thought you said secret. Seeker. Like secret sensitive. No, and I was like, what? Seeker sensitive. <laughs> it's like I'm secretly Seeker. sensitive to this stuff. <laughs> I've got a secret. I'm not telling. <laughs> no, that's not. Okay. Seeker sensitive church. Okay. Okay. Right, okay. Yeah. Joel Olstein. Joel Olstein. This was just, this was <clears throat> Joel Olstein's granddaddy. No, not really, but, you know, kind of like the forerunner. He, uh, um, Built the Crystal Cathedral, that gigantic mm-hmm. monstrosity of a beautiful building, um, which is like all see-through, I guess. You wouldn't want to change in it. Anyways, uh, <laughs> he passed away. Um, he was he was pretty old, I think. He was like in his 90s. Um, but anyways, uh, he was known for uh, just his positive outlook. Um, his desire to just, you know, he shared the gospel. He was pretty faithful in that, but he was also extremely, you know, just name it, claim about it. it. He wasn't name it, claim it. He wasn't one of those guys. Oh, he wasn't. He was just one that just went, you know, he was just a secret claimant. He was just a secret claimant. That's right. He, he okay. wanted to th- see these guys. They're different than name it, claim it guys a little bit. Not much. You know, Joel Steen's like a dude who straddles the fence, but yeah, all these other guys, he's pretty name it, claim it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's both. <laughs> he also does the every <laughs> every day of Friday or every day of Saturday or right, whatever it right. is. Oh, Joel. <laughs> we should do Joel news. <laughs> Just as much as we want to do Pope news, we yeah. should do Joel news. I like Pope news better. Pope news. Well, uh, you have any Pope news? I do. <laughs> All right. Brothers and sisters, come together. <laughs> so, we have a Pope theme song now. All right, Vatican City Associated Press. Pope Francis on Monday again pressed the international community to do something about the killing of Christians in several parts of the world and not look the other way. And then he pointed a finger yeah. at the camera and he said, I'm looking at you, Barack. <laughs> he didn't really, though. No, he didn't. <laughs> but it would have been awesome if he had done that. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I saw this really interesting um, political cartoon, and it showed, like, Iran blowing up with this atomic nuclear blast. Yeah. And uh, the news guy going, our top story today, Indiana pop passes this no non-discrimination <laughs> law against gays. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, man. Anyways, it says he has been increasingly vocal about the fate of Christians being targeted by Islamist extremists in parts of the Middle East, Africa, and Asia. Um, so that was basically his Easter address was him him talking about, um, you know, the, the targeting of Christians. So, And he also did a really good commu- commemorative thing on the Kenyan uh, people. All right. Um, let's see. How about something that's uh, a little uplifting, kind of fun? All right, let's do it. Got one more. Five errors to drop from your Easter sermon. This is from... Uh, <laughs> Relevant Magazine. Christianity Today. Oh, okay. Surprising. Mm-hmm. The first one, don't say that Jesus died when he was 33 years old. Okay. Have you ever heard this? I guess not. Well, uh, most scholars agree that uh, Jesus, if Jesus was born during the fall of 5 or 6 BC, which was... Right around the Herod did the the actual decree. Herod died in the spring of four BC, so he had to have done the decree. Um, yeah, before that, because obviously. five would be prior to that, right? Because it goes the other way, exactly. Right. So he must have been born in five or six if Herod died in four. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, uh, 
And if we remember that we don't count the zero before B.C. and A.D., then Jesus would have been at 37 or 38 years old when he died in the spring of A.D. 33. Or even if you're an A.D. 30-year, uh, he would have been a 34 or 35. Mm. So, so stop but, saying that he bottom was... Bottom line is we don't know. Yeah, stop saying that he was 32 and a half. <laughs> when Jesus died at 32 and a half... Stop saying that. Okay. Don't explain the apparent absence of a lamb at the Last Supper only by saying that Jesus is the ultimate Passover lamb. <laughs> I've seen that, that works one now. Before. Yeah. Well, Jesus was the Passover lamb. That's why there wasn't a lamb at the Last Supper. No, there was a lamb at the Last Supper. They just didn't talk about it. Don't say that. Anyways, all right. Don't say the same crowds worship Jesus on Palm Sunday and then cried out for his crucifixion on Good Friday. I was guilty of that this weekend, I think. Really? Yeah. Wow. Anyways, uh, it's a, they, you know, pastors try to use this for the fickleness of the human heart, you know? Yeah, okay. Uh, But basically... Religious leaders were the ones crying out. Exactly. Well, it was most of the people in Jerusalem that were crying out, but Jesus had followers that were following him into the gates and shouting Hosanna. So it wasn't the same crowd. It was actually a different crowd. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know... It was the ones saying, shut them up. Right, exactly. <laughs> that were yelling it. Exactly. And they just, they got more louder, you know, boisterous. Okay. Don't bypass the role of women as witnesses of the resurrected Christ. This one's really good. Don't bypass the role of women as, as witnesses and the resurrected who Christ. Who does that? I, I don't know, but let me read They're this. They're the first ones who saw him. Yeah. And what what's really cool, I guess they wanted to point out this this point, but basically... This is what he says. Excuse me. I shouldn't have drank that monster before. Okay. (laughs) At least you're drinking it and not breathing it. Seriously. All right. As you preach this Easter, do not bypass the testimony of women as as an incidental detail. In the first century, women were not even eligible to testify in a Jewish court of law. Josephus said that even the witness of multiple women was not acceptable because of the levity and the boldness of their sex. Celsus, the second century uh, critic of Christianity, mocked the idea of Mary Magdalene as an alleged resurrection witness, referring to her as a hysterical female deluded by sorcery. This background matters because it points out two crucial truths. First, it is a theological reminder that the kingdom of the Messiah turns the system of the world on its head. In this culture, Jesus radically affirmed the full dignity of women and the vital value of their witness. Second, it is a powerful apologetic reminder of the historical accuracy of the resurrection accounts. If these were cleverly disguised myths, quote-unquote, as in Second Peter 1.16, mm-hmm. women would never have been presented as the first eyewitnesses of the risen Christ. Right. They would have, yeah, because they wouldn't have made non-viable witnesses their witnesses. <laughs> right, exactly. So <clears throat> it just gives the, the resurrection account uh, credibility. Pretty awesome. Yeah. So cool. I would point to that. All right. Number five, don't focus on the suffering of Jesus to the extent that you neglect the glory of the cross in and through the resurrection. Mm-hmm. That's really good. A yeah, lot of people good. focus so much on the cross and, and the, the crucifixion, the agony and all that, that they, they miss why we celebrate Easter Sunday in the first place, which is the glory of the resurrection. So that's a good point. And the last one, drum roll, please. Good. Hold on. <laughs> I'm not there yet. Oh, drum roll again. <laughs> it is 
Oh, that was it. That's it? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was a five. letdown. Yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I feel bad now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you said five. I, was thinking, I did five. And then and I, was I was like, wait a minute. There's well, six. this thing had three pages, and so it tricked me. But it was going on about the five. So, <laughs> yeah, anyways. Uh, thank you, Christianity Today, for your insights on Easter. Anyways. We want to play some games. Yeah, let's do it. Theo Trivia. Okay, as I recall, (laughs) I'm winning. (laughs) You are winning, that's right. But... (laughs) By one. By one, and, and we both moved up one last time. That's right. So I'm on letters, numbers, and sequences. You're on names, right? Okay. Okay, so hit me with the question. How many cities in Canaan were given to the Levites, excluding the cities of refuge? Nice. <laughs> I you know what? I just top of the. Thing. I'm going zero. Eh. Oh man, forty-two. Forty-two. Oh, what a significant number! Exactly. That's the answer to life and everything. That's right. Life, <laughs> I should have. I should have given that hint, but I wasn't about oh, to. Oh wow. Oh no, I would have nailed it if you would have said that. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Here's your chance. Na- uh, names. What is the surname of the disciple Judas, the non-betrayer? You got it? No, I don't. Judas, (laughs) uh... Emmaus. <laughs> I don't know. Thaddeus. Thaddeus. Yes. I knew that. Oh, did you? Yeah. I didn't know that. I just totally forgot you that. You can find that in Matthew 10, 3, Luke 6, and yeah. 13, and I was Acts like, 1 and 13. It's scary. It's scary. Oh, yeah. the guy with that. That's what I was laughing at first because I was thinking, oh, great. Okay, he's getting the Judas <laughs> Iscariot question. <laughs> Would have been awesome. <clears throat> okay, so I'm, I'm still on letters, numbers, and sequences. Okay. Recite the fourth commandment. <laughs> you got a one in ten shot. <laughs> Thou shalt not steal. Eh. Man. Remember the Sabbath day and, and keep, uh, it, keep it holy. Man, I... You remember the That's first? part of my, my problem is I don't memorize things like that. Yeah, me neither. <sighs> I mean, we're Gentiles. What do we have to do with the no, law? I, I just never did no, that. I'm like joking. even as a kid, I never like memorized the names of the apostles or the huh. or you know, anything like that. I'm so, surprised. Or the plagues. Your we, background? I, I, we did a thing with um our youth one time where it was like put the plagues in the correct order in which they occurred. They like to never have gotten that. Really? Yeah, it was wild. And it's like, there's only 10 of them. Yeah. But it's these are things that we just... All right. Uh, they're right there, and they're easy, but they're whoop. 
Yep. Okay. All right, so you're on <sighs> names again. Yeah. What was the first name of the man who asked the famous question, what is truth? The first name? The first name. Pontius? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's not his name. Yes. Pontius. Pontius. I thought we called him Pontius Pilate for a different reason. No. I got it right. <laughs> you got it right. Oh, that's awesome. So we Woo-hoo. are tied. <laughs> I'd like to introduce this topic today by saying something that my Latin teacher said to us every morning, Monday through Friday. And that's the only thing that I remember from Latin class. <laughs> Salvate discipulis. <laughs> okay, translate. Hello, students. Or uh. good day, students. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or greetings. Yep, that's all I got. <laughs> Salvate discipulis. <laughs> wow. I wasn't a very good conjugation. <clears throat> at right. All. Anyway, so we're going to be talking about Latin discipleship. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not Latin. No. No, I, that's long gone. So what brought this up is there, we had a little meeting of the minds, some uh, various different leaders. Well, we were solving when, all the world's when problems. When we were sitting around yeah. um, the other day, and uh, the question started coming up is like, how do we... Uh, we don't seem to be discipling. Like our... Um, like like some of the old models that that we've always done forever, you know, class type of uh, even sermons and right. these things don't disciple people, right? And we've like run under the assumption that this is all we needed to do, right? With people, well, is, you know, you 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 get them as as we say, uh, you get them wet and then you let them dry themselves off, right? You know, <laughs> so it's like we treat conversion. Like it's the finish line instead of the starting point. Absolutely. And so, uh, so then we expect people to come into the church, new babes in Christ, and all of a sudden have like immediate no- uh, knowledge and they, are at, they act like us, they look like us, they dress like us, they wear their hair like us. Right. And um, we expect their regeneration or whatever to have just... Ch- fixed them like yeah. they're they should be just like us right at this point yeah and if i could i mean if i could look back at the church in the last 20 years as far as discipleship and um when i say the church well let's say um my denomination for example if i look back in the past 20 years of my denomination and i look at the discipleship part uh it's it's almost been non-existent to be honest um and i think a lot of that has to do with how we've changed the way we do church. Uh, as early as the 1910, 1920, 1930s, mm-hmm. even on the 50s, what we've done, and this is just for me observing, uh, maybe maybe it's completely different <clears throat> in your denomination, but this is just my denomination example. Right. What we've done is we've changed the Sunday morning 
uh, sermon into a place where a non-Christian comes to get saved. So it's become purely evangelical, the sermon has, right? So we're, we're asked to bring all our non-Christian friends to church, right, to get right, them saved. Right. Well, that's it. And then pretty much um, Sunday school, which is this <laughs> old, outdated model, to be honest, uh, um, which we've been using forever, Sunday school from, you know, 9 to 10. Because originally Sunday, Sunday schools were about actually getting people literate. Right. Giving people that, that weren't learning from their schools or whatever, if they even went to school. It was about incorporating that. Yeah, it was actually a backwards thing. It's yeah. you know, and it's changed. So today, it's it's been well. How do you do discipleship? How does your church do discipleship? And the the answer, what we have back is well, just you know, Sunday school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what we do is every week we meet and we learn another story, and and that's it. But we meet once a week for an hour before the service to do quote unquote discipleship. And what I've seen um, as the new generations have come up who don't even go to church anymore, who weren't forced to go to church by their parents or their grandparents. And, you know, you, you go back, they, they learn those stories in the 50s because they were forced to go to church. Well, today, they're not forced to go to church, so they don't know anything about Scripture whatsoever. They may know John 3.16 because it's just a cultural right. thing, but even that is going away. A lot of my students today... Um, the new ones couldn't tell you what John three sixteen says. Mm. Wow, it's amazing the cultural shift that's happening, and a lot of it is due to the fact that there is no. Uh, well, and maybe your church is different, but we've been we've been struggling. Well, with we discipleship. well, I, I think we definitely are, we uh, my group stru- uh, struggles with discipleship too. It's a it's a little bit different in that uh, the group that I come from don't doesn't actually do Sunday school, um, and the sermons are generally addressing Christians. It's not all. It, there's not a, a whole lot of evangelism happening from the pulpit. Uh, that has happened before, but but there's been a lot of people that has taken note of that and was like, hey, this is not the place for. For evangelizing, this is here for the church, okay? Right. But that being said, I think that's still an improper model for discipleship. It might be a good place to teach and uh, and to learn things, but that's not necessarily the same, right? As discipleship, absolutely. And um, and because the, the difference between a student and a disciple is is what we're talking about there, because discipleship is not being academic not it's not academic it's not about being a student it's about being a follower right and so i mean you could be the best student theologically and get it all memorize those 10 commandments and be able to spit the fourth one out on command right <laughs> but if you're not following jesus it it serves no good right whatsoever so in fact it almost serves even uh, a, a worse negative because you think that you're, you're all right, you're okay. Right. But if you're not following Jesus, you're not a disciple. Um, and it's good 
we need to make that distinction early on, a student versus a disciple. When we say disciple, we're not talking about a general disciple, which mm-hmm. is somebody you know who's a student of somebody else. When we say disciple, we're talking about a disciple of Jesus, which Correct. is a student of It's not my disciple. Jesus. It's not, yeah, it's not <laughs> Jeremiah's disciple. It's not David's disciple. It's not your pastor's disciple. It's a disciple of Jesus, okay? So that's, that's the first thing we need to talk about. So... I don't know. Well, How do well we first off, this? let's start off with Matthew 28 and 18 to well, 20. We definitely have okay, to. Okay, so this is the the Great Commission, and we here at the Great Commission Transmission really enjoy the Great Commission, so we're going to read the Great Commission. Amen. The Great Commission says to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Okay, so there's more than conversion involved in the Great Commission. Right. It, it has to do with discipling. Go make disciples. Make followers. And, uh, and of course, part of this is implied in the last part of that. Well, teaching them to <laughs> obey everything that I've commanded you. That right. guy's playing Galaga. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, that's the Galaga sound. Yeah, I know. I can tell. <laughs> that guy's playing Galaga. Okay, teaching them. Yeah, so... Basically, what you're saying is, if the whole of the uh, the Great Commission would have been, uh, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then cut off, no, it, it continues teaching them to observe everything I've commanded right. you. Not teaching them memorization and stories, and I mean that not not that that stuff isn't important, but I'm saying that's not the commandment. That's not what's being said. Teaching them to observe. The, these things, which has to do with actually getting outside the, 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 the building. So discipleship isn't necessarily, I, I don't believe something that necessarily needs to happen at the building. I, I actually think it happens outside the building more than it happens inside right. the building. Um, there, well, when go, we say the word, I'm sorry, real quick, I no, just want to observe, Yes, is actually it comes from the Greek terio. Um, it actually means to fulfill okay. a command. So it's not, again, it's not, you know, spewing forth knowledge as much as it is to fulfill right. the command, to actually do the thing that's taught. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Go so, do yeah. love. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So um, I found a really cool article. So before we talk about maybe ways of, of discipline, sure. uh, I thought maybe we'd go through some of the things in this article about what discipling is not. That's a good you idea. Know, I mean, the discipling is actually a hot-button topic right now. Right. I mean, it has been for the past two or three years. Yeah. Uh, you hear this term, oh, we're in our discipling program right now, and we're, you know, uh, we really need to work on discipling. I mean, this comes up, this comes up a lot. And uh, <clears throat> so... I like the definition that this is. This comes from uh, Relevant Magazine as well, so um, source of a lot of our fun stuff here. Yeah. So uh, she she asked a question in this uh, article: What is discipleship? And it says, put simply, discipleship means intentionally partnering with another Christian in order to help that person obey Jesus and grow in a relationship with Him, so that he or she can then help others do the same. So that's kind of in a nutshell what discipleship yeah. is. It's about linking arms so that we can serve Jesus together. Kind of sounds like discipleship is doing church. 
uh, go figure. It's not going to church. It's being the being church. the church. That's right. It's pretty <laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah. So we'll get there. Okay. Let's so, um, like, one example here is the Apostle Paul uh, was telling Timothy t- that the cycle needed to continue. I've ta- uh, Jesus taught me. I teach you. You right. teach others. And and it says, uh, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, a lot of times I think we get it confused when we hear this teaching thing, because yeah. once again, we go back, it becomes a pulpit thing. Yeah. It becomes a sermon or a classroom thing, and it becomes the Sunday school teacher or whoever. But that's not what he's implying here. In teaching is more like... Uh, I think a good example is like if you're going to learn how to fix a car, I, you can sit in class and you can read all the books you want about fixing the car. Right. But if your car breaks down the side of the road and that's all you've done, can you fix it? Probably not. No. It takes it takes getting that grease monkey to get your to get you into the garage and get your hands dirty with him. And show you, okay, this is a carburetor. This is a spark plug right. you know, or whatever. Go through all the all the the workings of it and show you using your own hands how to do that. Right. It's that type of teaching, I yeah. believe, is what is going on. Well, and I think uh, <clears throat> by this way, so it's basically the you know the ones that have done it mm-hmm. teaching the ones that are that are learning to do, and uh, and it's not. It's not about, again, a pastor. It's about, you know, coupling together, or, you know, Konania. Yeah. Right. Oneness. Right. Working together. Working together to, to do. And building this fellowship that that is there in order to build something. Right. To strengthen it. Right. So uh, one, of the th- one of the things that uh, this article says disciple is not is it's not easy. Amen. <laughs> okay. We talk about salvation being a free gift, but salvation is not what we're talking about. We're talking about discipleship. Discipleship will cost us our lives. Yeah. Well, what does Jesus say? He says, anyone who wishes to follow after me Mm -hmm. must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Following me, that's that that terminology right there is uh, is basically it denotes a disciple, somebody who follows. Right. So if you're going to follow Christ, what does he say? You're going to deny yourself, number Mm -hmm. one. Right. So it's going to be selfless, number two. You're going to take up a cross. Well, what does a cross denote? It's an instrument of death. Instrument of death. That's right. <laughs> it's not a burden. No. We're not talking... A lot of people use that. Well, this is my this cross is my to cross bear. I have to bear. <laughs> well, no, it's not. Because, <laughs> because bearing your cross means willing to go to your death. That's right. For Jesus Christ. Amen. That's, that's what he's talking about right. there. So it is not easy. Amen to that. So, um, so a lot of times I think we get it confused because we think you know it's free okay well it is free it is a gift but once you get that gift there you don't just sit like a knot on a log that regenerated heart causes you to do stuff yeah and to be a worker and to be doing things and and those things in fact you're so driven to it you're willing to die for it amen okay so um discipleship is not just me and Jesus figuring it out. <laughs> That's impossible. Yes. I mean, it, 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 if you look at the, the New Testament and look at, at what Jesus did, um, 
it was never a solitary endeavor. Uh, it was relational. It was um, to fully re- to re- fully respond to the Great Commission. We need to be disciples who are making disciples. So you have to constantly be with other people, working with other people. Amen. And um, this means we have to, by the very nature of it, spend time together, right. consistent time with other believers. Um, this is not good news for the introvert. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus uh, spent a lot of time with his disciples, right? Right. We read all this. He traveled with them. Um, they ate together. They walked together, rode in boats together. They fought together even, yeah. uh, you know, argued and, and bickered and whatever, but they were still... Um, they were still in each other's lives constantly and intentionally right. in each other's lives. Um, so You can't spurn one another on to good works if it's just you. And right. The, the reality is, is in a, a man who isolates himself usually falls into folly. The truth is that, you know, when I don't, <laughs> when I don't want accountability or spurned on to truth, I will isolate myself. I'll lock <laughs> myself in my house. You know, I'll close the windows and the doors. No one bother me. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Nobody bother me. I'm, I'm by myself. And, and you can't do, uh, you can't do you can't discipleship that follow way. Jesus right. if you're locked in your room. Exactly. So uh, discipleship is not mentoring. Right. Okay, that's another thing that, that's one of the first things that came to my mind when I first heard the word discipleship. It's like, oh, okay, well, we need to, we need to pair these people up and get, you know, a teacher and a student and... Right. This sort of thing, and here's why it's not mentoring, mentoring, mentor-protege relationship, is because mentor-protege implies that you've got a wise, experienced person passing on his wisdom and experience to a protege. That's not what we're talking about, nope. because what we're talking about is uh, somebody helping somebody else get wisdom and experience, not from you, but from Jesus. Amen. So as a mentor or in the mentoring role of discipleship, my job is not to give you my wisdom and my knowledge, but it's to let's learn together. Right. And so you learn while I learn and we're doing this together. Yeah. You know, and uh, I can tell you so many times when I have actually been in conversations with, you know, even as at the age of 40, 40 something, (laughs) Um, talking with Christians who are 20 years old and he'll say something and I'm like, wow, (laughs) I never thought about it like that. Yeah. And it's like, it would be completely arrogant and prideful and, and um, uh, I would do myself a disservice. Yeah. If I took everything that someone that much younger than me said, as unimportant yeah. because of their age. That's true. And God chooses people of all kinds of different ages to teach others. And uh, it doesn't mean you don't respect those who, ha- who have gone before you that have right. walked your, that walk and, and, and do have some experience and wisdom, but it's about understanding that you are learning as well. Right. And you will always continue to learn as you follow Jesus. Right. Haiti's a good example. Every time I go down there, I learn something new. You know, um, when, when you crack open the Bible, you should be going into it with the idea that I'm learning something new. Right. Take that that person you're trying to help disciple and learn together. 
And so, so there's a different, difference between... Well, I mean, and that's... You look at what Paul admonishes uh, Timothy in, in uh, 1 Timothy 4.12 is, is what I was just thinking there. Uh, Paul is all about discipleship here. He's talking about right. training, you know, and teaching and equipping uh, together for the faith. And what does he say? He says... Uh, for this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command and teach these things, and let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Um, and that's, a, you know, some of our younger, um, our fellow Theonaut Riley Neal, you mm-hmm. know, at the tender age of 19 years old, has taught me more than, <laughs> you know, more than some of the... the wise old sages and really all it you know the reason is is because we've been doing church together mm-hmm. sitting down talking eating it's lunch. because you've been discipling right. even if you're not calling it that yeah because that's what happened like you said you were talking about you had lunch with him yeah and y'all were sitting around talking about theology and all yeah. these sorts of things. it's like that is discipleship that's right it doesn't necessarily happen in a, no. a, a church building or and i believe a, or more often than not nowadays it doesn't happen in the church building. Right. I believe more often than not, it's actually happening around the dinner table mm-hmm. or happening, you know, around the campfire. Or in the, or, or in the field. Yeah, or in the field working. Yes, while we're doing things Amen. for people, you that's know, and, and, and that sort of thing. So um, one of the things that's interesting before we get off the mentoring concept is uh, you don't have to have a slew of qualifications to disciple somebody. Right. Okay? It's not like you look at who Jesus picked. Yeah. To be the ones that he called to disciple. People. Yeah. Should we go through that? I mean, the different stages of teaching and all that? And well, how... uh, uh, I mean, if you just think about the 12 that he picked, they right. were ordinary, unschooled people. They were right. fishermen. They, were, they weren't the educated elite uh, temple best teachers. Best, yeah. Right. They, they, they just, it was not that, that right. way. So, um, and uh, the last thing that that, uh, this article pointed out was that discipleship is not a method. Okay, so it's like, there's not like a 10-step program to discipleship. Right. (laughs) It can't be a, it can't be a, you know, a recipe. It's organic. Treating it as a method treats it like it's it's something that's inanimate, dead, you know? Yeah. Yeah. or like, you know, like a recipe or something that, you know, you fix your car. The, or these are the steps you do. Do this Bible study and you'll and you'll be discipled. Right. Or pray this certain prayer and you'll be discipled. Right. Or anything like that. It's there's no it, it is about uh, going and doing. That's uh, that's right. to me one of the biggest things. Uh, the disciples were sent by Jesus to cast out demons, heal the sick, proclaim the good news and that the kingdom of God was was near to them. Yeah. When I think of discipleship, the number one scripture that pops up to me, and I think this is a good place to insert this, is Acts 2, 42 through 47. Okay. Um, and this is right after Pentecost. Uh, this is uh, right after Peter's speech, and God added to their numbers. Right. And this is what it said. And they devoted themselves... To the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came among every came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. 
and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Right. Well, so what, what were they doing? They were having church. They were, they were being the <laughs> they church. They were being church, right. right. Uh, constantly with to, with each other. Right. Uh, lifting each other up in prayer, eating with each other, uh, working with, taking care of people Absolutely. together. Yeah. Uh, th- this is, it's a communal thing. Yeah. And that's, we've kind of gotten away from that because it's, church has become something that happens on Sunday mornings. And, um, and, and so, you, you know, uh, we were both, uh, interestingly enough, we both jumped to a Rob Bell study yeah, we <laughs> whenever we decided to go. Into Which society. is really funny. And it was, without even discussing it, we were like, hey, let's talk about discipleship. And then uh, <laughs> we were like, oh, well, what have you looked at? And it was like, well, I looked at Rob Bell. And uh, before you freak out, I know Rob Bell has, <laughs> has got a lot of, of flack because of his more recent... Um, well, he went off the deep end. Yeah, but... <laughs> the, the theology that he is currently holding to. Right. But uh, this is not a new study. This is an old one. Right. That uh, Rob Bell was actually... Uh, man, when he, when he did that NUMA series during that time frame... He was spot on in his theology. I mean, yeah. and deep stuff. Yeah. And he had one of one of his studies was just called dust. Yeah. And the idea was uh, this dust of the rabbis. And, yeah. you, and you may have heard that saying before, may you be covered with the dust of your rabbi. Right. That, that comes from the, the Talmud. Uh, it right? comes from the Talmud. Uh, no, it's, uh, is it the Talmud? No, it's the Mishnah. It's, well, it that's comes part, from that's the Mishnah, part of the... which is part of the Talmud, right. which is a, a group of rabbinical sayings. Mm-hmm. And this is what it actually says. It's from uh, Avot 1-4. Uh, it's a collection from 200 B.C. to 200 A.D., uh, the Mishnah is. And this is what it says. Let thy house be a meeting house for the wise and powder thyself in the dust of their feet. Drink their words with thirstiness. Whenever you look and you you actually uh, examine the words they use when they say powder thyself. Number one, the wise is actually, it can be translated as rabbi. Mm-hmm. And then powder thyself means to, uh, it means dust. The word powder in this right. translation means dust. And it means uh, like being kicked up. Mm-hmm. So like if something was, you know, you were standing behind a horse or something and it ran you would be powdered with dust. That's right. what it means. Uh, powder thyself in the dust of their feet. It also meant um, a lot of times rabbis would, uh, the way that you would learn from somebody was they would sit in a chair or something a little higher, and then you would sit at their feet. So you have uh, Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning whenever Martha's right. trying to clean. You mm-hmm. have all the, these different uh Pictures the woman who kissed Jesus's feet, feet and washed his feet. That's right. They were, you know, down. They were lower. They were sitting under mm-hmm. his teaching. Okay. So, anyways, that's well. Uh, and and another thing that that comes from, or, or the, the what the saying implies, is that you wanted to be like your rabbi. Right. You wanted so, you wanted to talk like him, eat like him. Uh, I mean, you wanted to have the same inflections in your voice. I yeah. mean, you wanted to be like this guy. So 
the way the students would act is they were constantly on this guy's heels. Right. Everywhere he went, they went so much so that it got weird. And he would have to say, guys, I got to go to the bathroom, you know, <laughs> or whatever. It's like, <laughs> but the concept was that because they were so close to him. Yeah. The dust from his feet were con- was constantly being kicked up onto them. Right. And so th- the correlation here is that in order to disciple, you need to, to treat your rabbi, which is Jesus, in that same manner. Right. Be on his heels wherever he is gone. That's where you go. Where what he was doing. That's what you do. You are constantly trying to be in his dust. Yeah. Uh, and, and and not that doesn't include things like just going to church or just you know whatever uh, phrase we want to put on it. Um, I also think it's interesting in that study to look at how venerated. Uh, the scriptures and the and that sort of thing, the word of God was. Right. Because a big part of discipleship is not just memorizing and that sort of thing, but diving right. into well, the word. Okay, so at five years old, uh this was the this was the Jewish education system for those who haven't heard this. Mm-hmm. Uh at five years old, um you would be sent to temple. You they didn't have schools. They had the they had the temple or the uh, um, the uh, synagogues right. um, to learn in, and so at five years old they would be sent to the synagogue, and uh, it was determined this is their first. It's called Bet Sefer. Yeah, Bet Sefer. Bet Sefer. It means uh, house of the of the book. House of the book. That's yeah. right. And uh, at at this age, you would actually um, begin studying scripture. So the great picture that. Uh, that's painted here is the rabbi would take honey, which was the sweetest thing at the time, right? Yeah, the most delicious thing you could ever put in your mouth right. at this point. Right? And and he would smear the uh, smear smear your slate with it, right? And put it on your fingers, and then he'd say, "Lick the honey off," and they'd lick it off, basically, and you know, it was a really get it good all treat. over them. That's right. They yeah. get it all, and he'd say, basically, may the words. Uh, of, of the scripture, you know, drip like honey from your mouth. Yes. Of course, he's referring to the, the, the rabbi would be referring to Psalms 119 and, and right. 102 or 103, which says, how sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey yes. in my mouth. Yes. And so uh, from that point, uh, during this, this time of learning, I think it's like five to eight was that right? Yeah, uh, nine, I think. Five to nine. They would learn the first five books of the Bible, uh, the the Torah, mm-hmm. which is the law, the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Not just learn, memorized. Memorize it. Mm-hmm. Completely memorized. Um which is unbelievable, you know. Yeah. In today's standard, we think, oh, it's, it's a nine year old. Right. A nine year old would have the entire first five books of the Bible memorized. Amazing. That's how how much they venerated, you know, their mm-hmm. scripture. You know, if we thought of Jesus's teachings like that, uh, you know, how amazing. But, anyways, so after that, they had uh, Bet Talmud. Yeah, if they were, um, if they showed promise, right, that they that they uh, that they could move on. Exactly, they entered the next school. Right, and this next school is called Bet Talmud, 
And during Bet Talmud, they would memorize the rest of... of, of the uh, whole Tanakh. Right, the rest of the Tanakh. The entire... T- All the Old Testament. <laughs> exactly. The entire yeah. Old Testament memorized. And I can't even get the fourth commandment out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's crazy, huh? Oh, it's amazing. So, But, but, uh, but the, one of the things to take note there is not necessarily that discipleship is about... Uh, man, there's like a fire alarm Something. going off here. <laughs> but it, it, the idea is not that discipleship is memorization and and scholastic learning because we we'd be contradicting ourselves. Right. But the point is is Psalms one nineteen and one o and one o three. You should desire this right. word so much. That you devour it like it's the sweetest thing you've ever tasted. Yeah, like it is just a delicacy that you can't get enough of. This is part of what leads you to a place where you have this, where you begin to dis- be a disciple. Right. So it's not that that makes you a disciple. Right. It's that that is the attitude that a disciple. Has. has. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a couple interesting just tidbits. Uh, um, that one happens from nine to twelve. Okay, after that, after after bet uh, Talmud is bet bet midrash. Now mm-hmm. these are the the best of the best. These are the star uh, pupils. Okay, the ones going to Harvard or Yale or whatever. Right. Um, now this is at twelve on. Okay, mm-hmm. and these people are uh, they usually pick a rabbi uh, to study. They have a, a study under. Basically, what a rabbi will do is he'll ask questions. To the pupil, um, the way of learning uh, for a Jewish person, um, it wasn't by question, question and answer, answer like right. like we do. Um, it was by question to question. So you would ask the student, "What's two plus two? And he'd reply, "Well, what's you know sixteen divided by four? Right, sixteen divided <laughs> by four. That's right. So right. Uh, to show you that he knew, you know, more. And so um, uh, you would you would pick him. That that starts at twelve years old. By the way. Uh, if you think of Jesus' uh, story at 12 years old, where was he? He was hanging out in the temple. He was hanging out when in the temple. When he got lost from his parents, he wasn't lost. That's right. He it, was in the temple asking Asking questions. questions. And amazing the, the, teachers. the teachers. Because that's where he he was in that that school of thought at, right. that, at that point of his life. Pretty awesome. So anyway, so you have those people. And, and so... Um, when when you look at it like that, you, you see that uh, you go back to the disciples. Okay, now Jesus mm-hmm. is a rabbi; he's a Jewish rabbi at this time, um, and he's picking his disciples. And who does he pick? Does he pick the ones that have made it all the way? Yeah, the ones that went through and memorized everything. Right. He doesn't. He doesn't pick any of them. Mm-hmm. In fact, he picks some fishermen. <laughs> the, the very fact that Andrew and Peter were fishermen tells us historically that those guys did not make the cut right into bet midrash bet midrash they did right. not get that far right they had been cut out of the learning process prior to that right because if you could not go on to be a scholar a scribe or a rabbi or something scholastic in the Jewish religion then yeah. you had to settle for the more menial 
jobs. Right. And that and fisher and fishermen, fishermen now, would have been one of those type of jobs. Another interesting thing. So James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Jesus finds them fishing with their father mm-hmm. uh, at the time when he calls them to be disciples. If you were fishing with um, your father, a lot of a lot of scholars would say that uh, you were learning his trade. So basically, if you didn't. If you didn't make it, if you made it past bet, say fair, but you weren't going to Talmud, uh, then you would go home and you would learn your father's trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if he was a fisherman, you'd, you'd fish. You'd be a fisherman. Right. Uh, or if you made it to Talmud, but you didn't make it to Midrash, you'd go home. They'd say, go home, get married, have kids. Okay. So you'd go <laughs> right. home, you'd find a find a wife, settle down, and you'd learn your father's trade. So how old were the disciples, I wonder? I just That's a little tidbit. <laughs> you thought about that? I had never really thought about it. I always pictured them in their twenties. Yeah, that I I would picture them as either teenagers or right in their twenties, mm-hmm. but not much older. And you know, you have all the you have all the stained glass windows with them and gray beards. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And I, you know, maybe they grew up to be gray beard. <laughs> um, but uh, I believe they. You know, a lot of them were young. And I imagine that John was very young. I think he would like, have to be because yeah. uh, he he died. Lives, yeah, he like, lived so much longer past the rest of them. Yeah, and, and the revelation uh, has even been dated anywhere between seventy and ninety A.D. Right, which is, I mean, that's going to put him up way up there. So imagine, so. I don't know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old, mm-hmm. being like called a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, I mean, think well, about. It, it, well, here's one of the things. There is that. Okay, you've been told by the rabbis you can't cut the mustard. Right. Go back home, learn a trade from your dad. And now a rabbi, a revered rabbi, comes walking past and says, follow me. Yeah. I need you to be my disciple. Well, and and by the way, follow me was actually the word... It's it's our translation, but actually the the, the word that a rabbi would use in order to call his disciples to be disciples right so they would start following him everywhere he went getting dust on them getting dust on them (laughs) pretty cool so they knew what that meant yeah and it was like whoa we get a second shot at this right right how this kind of helps explain their willingness to drop their livelihood to drop those nets and to leave everything behind and to go follow him this was a second shot at uh, this venerated uh, position, yeah, and which pl- makes sense when you look at some of the arguments they had, James and John, and this whole well, I'm going to sit at the right hand of Jesus. No, I'm going to sit at the right hand of Jesus. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, because it's like uh, uh, we got this second shot at this man. Let's not blow this. I want to be. I want. I, I, I want to be right there. You know, with him. So, um, so what does it mean to follow Jesus? I mean, what is that's today? Well, the first thing you do is you would take on the rabbi's yoke. <laughs> okay. Did you, did you right? Which is really cool. The, okay. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so that's, the, that's a good point too. The rabbi's yoke was called. Well, it was his teaching on the Torah. Right. It was his bent on the Torah. So he would teach his his uh, understanding of the Torah to his disciples. Yeah. Okay. So it was always like you had a, a rabbi who would say. Uh, okay, this is how I interpret law. This is how I understand it. And you really needed to be doing this. You need to be doing that. You need right. to be doing this and that. And then the other rabbi would say, well, uh, 
I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But you know what? I, you really should be doing this. You yeah. really should be doing this. Exactly. Okay. And so, especially when it came to like Sabbath laws. Right. And what you could do on the Sabbath, what you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And all, they had all kinds of arguments and just oh, yeah. about all this. And none of that was actually God's law, by the way. <laughs> that was all of them. But, yeah. but, but they were sitting there going, you know, all of this stuff. And so they called those things that the rabbis yoke. Yeah. The, sm- uh, S comma M I K H A H. I can't even say it right. Smica <laughs> or whatever. Translate yoke. By the way, when Jesus says, "Follow me for my my yoke is easy and my burden my is burden light. is light." In other words, I'm not going to lump a bunch of rules right. on top of what God said. Exactly. Right. And which is really really cool. So, anyways, uh, by the way, I keep having this vision. I don't know if you ever watched a uh, the Simpson episode of they made fun of these rabbis they did this gigantic they're they were talking about this gigantic mechanical rabbi who sat down and started reading the torah and then asked questions like just would ask right. anyways it's really <laughs> funny but that's the mindset i or the thing that i keep thinking of when we're talking about rabbis okay so so, so you take the yoke upon you right you take the yoke upon and you learn of me exactly for i am meek and lowly right and you will find rest into your souls exactly so the point is uh these disciples their whole goal is to become just like Rabbi Jesus, and they spend all their time together. They don't, they don't go, you know, anywhere else. They they follow him mm-hmm. wherever he goes. And so the saying became, "May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi," and that's what it means to be a true disciple yeah. of Jesus. So that that applies even today, because Absolutely. because where Jesus walked, he left very clear footprints of what we should be doing and saying and, and, and who we should be going to and that sort of thing. Right. And, uh, well, and not only that, but, uh, let's not neglect the Holy spirit troll. Well, this. right, right. This is a, um, when Jesus is, is we, we, but the a, Holy Spirit's not gonna be taking you anywhere other than that's right. Jesus Absolutely. is, uh, yeah. So when Jesus leaves before he leaves, what does he say? I'm going to send you a helper. Right. Who's going to lead you in all righteousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the Holy Spirit. So here's my thing for today. What does that look like? Because we don't have physical Jesus yeah, here. Yeah. We can't follow him around and get covered. So in how his do dust. we? If it's not a program, if it's not going to church, if it's not having a Sunday school class or something like that, then what is it? Well, where's the the question is where's the Holy Spirit? The this Holy Spirit's within us. Within us. Right. The Holy Spirit's within you, and the Holy Spirit's within me. Mm-hmm. And the best way that we can disciple each other, or the best way that we can be disciples of Jesus, is by discipling each other mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit to Christ. And it's not me being better than you or you being better than me. It's not a positional thing like a pastor. Right. What it is is being his followers mm-hmm. on earth right now. Well, you know, one of the things that, and this is a program, so don't don't get hung up on this is how it has to work. Right. But one of the things I've seen recently uh, that a lot of churches are doing that I think really helps this is uh, you can call them life groups, home yeah. groups, whatever you want to call them. But it's like a subset of your church that that meets together yeah. throughout the week. Not necess- not on a not on a Sunday because you know you still meet with the with your whole congregation right. on Sunday, but throughout the week you have time set aside where you come together with other believers to 
hash out things and to study and to go do things like maybe it's going in and helping at the soup kitchen. Right. Or maybe it's going down to the nursing home or maybe it is uh, carrying groceries to the poor neighborhood. Uh, I mean, the list can go on and on and on and on. Right. But but in all these things, you are working together, following Jesus. You're doing what the things that Jesus did. He sat around. He taught. He went and he helped people. Yeah. He healed people. He taught people. These, the, so this is is a very positive thing that I'm seeing now. I think right. it's a really cool idea. And you know, and this is just it's a really good example of of discipleship done right. Is mm-hmm. the, the small group idea mentality. And I, I actually believe that that's a um, as the culture changes, so do methodology. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now again, I I've used this example. You have content in one hand, you have context in the other hand. Right. You have content never changes. It's the truth of God's word. It's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Mission and method. Exactly. Same, same thing. Mission, method. On the other side, you have context, method. And how the method uh, is played out, it has to evolve. It has to change in order to be relevant for the time. So, again, not knocking Sunday school. Wait a minute. Jesus is the same today. Yesterday and forever. <laughs> he is. And that's why his content never changes. <laughs> but the context in which it's presented always changes. And well, that's why I'm not knocking Sunday school. It was awesome for the 1950s. It worked great then. You had a lot of people that were learning and it was fun, you know. And even they met together, their Sunday school met together and they did all this stuff. But it's different today. Mm-hmm. Really, what's happening, and this is what I believe is happening, real discipleship is, is is really starting to go outside the walls of the church. Of Well, when I say walls of the church, the outside of the walls of the church building. Okay, yeah. And what's happening is... The church is, is not a building, by the way. That's right. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a group. So, so what's happening is, is Sam is going... Uh, hey, buddy, you know, Sam, you work with yeah. down at the mill. He's going, hey, buddy, I'm having this, you know, study on Thursday nights. We're hanging out. We're eating some pizza and we're, yeah, you we're going to saw some logs and then we're going right. to have us a bonfire. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Something like that. No, <laughs> we're going to eat us some pizza and we're going to sit down and we're going to open up this book called John together and we're just going to read it and, and, mm-hmm. and learn together, you know, and right. that turns into a small group. That begins doing and being church together. They they communicate together on a weekly basis. They're organic. They're growing. And as soon as they get a little too big, they need to split up and they need to start another. Yeah. Not uh, divide, as in having problems and you can't get along, but but to grow, just segregate some. That's right. Just, yeah, to, to to keep it intimate. Exactly. And that's why I, I really believe that model is, is actually working really well uh, for today. I'd, I'd love to see our church go into that model. It'd be a really good thing. But despite models... But it could be all... Yeah, because once again, it's not a methodology. No. It can be done all kinds of different ways, but it's all about going and doing and going and doing together. Amen. And that's the, that's the point. That's why I keep going back to, to Acts 2. The church mm-hmm. is discipleship. Right. When you are being the church, you're being discipled. When when I'm encouraging you, like we're doing discipleship right now, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. Because we're talking together about the things of God, and we're you know, and we're living it out together. And, and we're learning. We're learning, even as we're sitting here 
recording it. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we may get things wrong and we may screw up, but uh, I'll tell you what. That's why we have a call-in line. Exactly. <laughs> so, you, <laughs> so Meredith can tell us what we got wrong. <laughs> Love you, Meredith. Just joking. All right. Um, you know, the other scripture I think of constantly is Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, As iron sharpens iron. Right. Uh, and one man sharpens another. Yep. And that's that's the so point I think, of it. I think that's the bottom line. Yeah. So discipleship is being the church. Mm-hmm. Period. Pretty awesome. Kind of ties into that whole unity thing, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. That's <laughs> Which is the other theme of <laughs> our uh, Great Commission So awesome. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network. Using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more or to partner with us, visit us at gctnetwork.com. Subscribe to the newsletter there to stay up to date on all the latest from our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema. There are several ways to come in contact with us and leave us feedback. Send us an email at theonauts at gctnetwork.com. <laughs> Tickle Bottom has worked his way into the, the into the studio. <laughs> Call us on our voicemail line, 972-885-7270. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And don't forget to leave us comments there and to rate us. Tweet to us on Twitter using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Theonauts. Follow us on Instagram at Theonauts. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word. That was my line. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here, Jeremiah. (laughs) It was my pleasure. Thank you, David. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission Transmission. At GCTnetwork.com. Hey, all you Theosciples, I'm Michael. And I'm Brendan from Finding Christ in Cinema. You are listening to the Theonauts Podcast with your hosts, David and Jeremiah. Right here at gctnetwork.com, your Great Commission transmission.